Hey, everyone. Welcome back to High Tea Hoops. High Tea Hoops. Nice. We're finally getting it. Welcome to the pod, the Duchess of Hoops, Skylar <laughs> Smith. What's up? Hey, Brian. So happy to be here. <laughs> I'm so glad. It has been a crazy week and weekend because there are so many sports on right now. Premier League started back up. There's WNBA coming into the playoffs, NFL, MLB, NHL. Wow. Yeah. It's the sports solstice. It's the first time this has ever happened. Yeah, it's incredible. Because of all the delays. Yeah. Uh, And with the overwhelming amount of sports, as always, we thank you so much for being our valued listeners. Right, Skylar? (laughs) Thank you so much. And we would really appreciate it if you would rate and review us and subscribe and unsubscribe and resubscribe (laughs) because that helps the rankings, right? Who knows? Does it? (laughs) I don't know. Um, But yes, thank you for all your support. We know there's a ton going on right now, but let's go straight into the top news of the day, Skylar. Alex Morgan is a spur. (laughs) Brian, this is a basketball podcast if you've forgotten. I know, but but it's so exciting for our American heroes to come to North London. If anyone is a new listener or, I don't know, just didn't catch this, Brian and I are both Tottenham fans. And Alex Morgan... Don't turn this off. ...basically yeah. is our queen. So yes. this is just incredible news. Very exciting news. Um, but yeah, let's go into basketball. So also, uh, one of the best weeks in basketball that I have personally watched, maybe it's just because uh, we have this podcast now and I'm paying closer attention, but... The Celtics and Raptors series has been one of the most joyful things that I have had during this entire pandemic period. It went to seven. There's double overtime. The Raptors are fighting back. OG Ananobi's hitting clutch threes to win games. This series, I wish could be best of 13 or more if they just kept playing game by game uh, and the Celtics pulled it out. But Skylar, what are your takeaways from the series? Game seven, game six. It's you know, I feel like so much has happened since our last pod. What are some of your general takeaways here? Um, I wish we could sacrifice some of the Lakers Rockets games to get more of this series. Like this series yes. is exactly what you want out of a playoff series. Just the back and forth, the nonstop battling. They were like they were they were good matchups for each other. They were really fun matchups. Um my biggest takeaway is that no one can ever say shit about Kyle Lowry again. Ever again. Ever again. You can say all you want about Siakam, I guess. But be 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 nice. He knows. For, he knows he struggled, for, but no one can say anything about Kyle Lowry. For years, the Kyle Lowry slander was just I mean, what was it? Uh Lebronto? They couldn't get past LeBron. <laughs> it was just year after year. Kyle Lowry and uh, DeMar DeRozan couldn't get over uh, to the next level. Yeah. Lowry steps up in uh, in the NBA Finals last year. You yeah. know, obviously Kawhi, but Lowry, I sc- what scored thirteen points in the first three minutes of Game Six yeah. to come through clutch. He's been the leader this season. Siakam has really struggled uh, in this playoff, in this bubble, in the restart in general. And Lowry's like, you know what? I'm the alpha here. And in game six, which went to double overtime, uh, Lowry had 33 points, stepped up, hit the clutch bucket to kind of seal the game at the very end of double overtime. 
and you know with time almost expiring slips a little finger into uh jason tatum's wristband uh you know just to fuck with him a little <laughs> bit which is only a kyle lowry thing if anyone saw jason that. tatum like barely even noticed either he must just expect it all you never like we only see on tv i want to know how much of this shit goes on where we don't even get to see it because it is hilarious yeah any other takeaways from the series so far not so far. Any period? Well, it's over. Oh, it's over. Um, I mean, Shit. this is not really basketball related, but that's okay. I'm just really sad that we have to say goodbye to the Raptors baby section. The Raptors yeah. baby section Elite. was my favorite baby section. There were just so many babies, but Fred Van Vliet's kids were something I literally watched the games for just to see them being so fucking cute. And so, yeah, I'm just really sad that we have to say goodbye to that baby section. However, Deuce is on his way to the bubble. So we are getting Deuce in the bubble. It makes up for it. Yeah. We are getting Deuce in the bubble. And honestly, the Raptors and the Celtics have not only been two of the best teams in the bubble, but two of the best content creating teams. Yeah. Both are amazing. I mean, the Celtics have Taco and uh, Cantor who are amazing on TikTok and Twitter and kind of documenting everything going on. You have the babies with Deuce and and with Tatum. You have the Raptors baby section and family section and Kyle Lowry. This was uh this has been my favorite series so far. Yeah, me too. I'm really sad it's over. Yeah, but let's go through the games a little bit. So, uh game 6 where the Celtics were up um 3-2. And so this was a must win for the Raptors and went to double overtime. I think it was the first time in history nine players had over 50 minutes or something or 55 minutes. Wild. So we talked about this where Nick Nurse is playing the Raptors way more minutes than Coach Bud could ever fathom uh, with his Bucks team. And they went even more in double overtime, 55 minutes. Everyone was playing. Uh, We had incredible performances from Brown and Tatum. Tatum had 29. Brown had 31. Marcus Smart stepped up again with 23. But my biggest takeaway from this game was uh, Nick Nurse went small. So he had uh, no centers in. I think it was like Powell came in. So it was only – I think OG was guarding Tice. Yeah. And they just went super small. But then the Celtics and Brad Stevens are so good, they immediately adjusted. And Marcus Smart – had like four alley-oops to Tice in the paint where Tice was just dunking all over the Raptors. So this is it's just been the punches back and forth where they're tweaking their styles and gameplays. And that was just so much fun to watch them adjust in real time and both perform at an elite level matching each other. Mm -hmm. And it was still – the Raptors still pulled away with that small ball barely with that Kyle Lowry fadeaway. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean paying attention to that stuff is so important because that's truly – that's like the thing that's going to be the X factor that can lead to a team going really far in the playoffs. Like if you, if you're, if the team you're playing against is making adjustments against you and you can on the fly, your coach and your players can make the adjustments to counter that and to overpower it. That's really what's going to take your team far. And so, yeah, I mean, as soon as we kind of saw that happening, it was like, Oh, the Celtics, they just, they have more going on here. Like this was a really yeah. close series, but I think we could just always tell that the Raptors just, they needed like just, just one more, just one more, like one more Kawhi. piece. They're like one piece. <laughs> it literally, I mean, it literally is Kawhi, but they're just one piece away still from being able to like be a team like the Celtics. It's so interesting. Cause if Kawhi would have stayed, I think the Raptors would have won this year again. Yeah. 
I think they would have gone back to back. Because you know, with Kawhi on this team, they would have taken the Celtics down. They'd have the Heat, and then they'd still have the. It's almost like they, you know, they play the Lakers no matter what. But yeah. yeah, you're right. They're just one away, and that's what we saw in Game Seven, where we watched this together. It was a battle the entire game, but at the end, the Celtics with Tatum and Brown and Smart and Kemba Walker and some of their role, even the role players, like really didn't step up. But the Raptors didn't have that third or fourth guy. You know, Van Vliet and Lowry in the backcourt could only do so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, Siakam didn't step up. Ananobi only had four points. Gasol is the guy you pointed out, Skyler, to step up. He only had six, was negative 19 plus minus. Yeah. So I think the right team won here. The Celtics looked yeah. stronger. They just had more firepower, like you're saying. Yeah. And at the end of the series, I was like, the Raptors really gave it their all. I'm so glad we got seven games of it because it was such a fun series. But then by the end, I'm like kind of a noted Celtics hater. But by the end, I was just so excited to get to watch a Celtics Heat series. Yeah. And it really, you know, it really feels like the Celtics are that young team where in their, you know, Tatum's first season, they made it really far with Isaiah Thomas. And it feels like they are a little bit of the team of the future and they're coming yeah. together. And this was their first big test. And it's almost like we look back on this team. This will be the moment where we're like, wow, they really broke through. They came together as a team. And even like Jalen Brown, this is a, a wholesome moment of the, of the bubble. Um, Jalen Brown after the game said, it's such an honor to play with Jason Tatum and learn from you and grow from you. And you really don't necessarily hear that from kind of the two jousting alphas on the team. Yeah. And it just kind of shows how they've come together so much. Yeah. So good on you Celtics. Uh, I'm so excited for this heat Celtics series. Let's go. Do you want to just touch on the heat bucks for a second? Sure. I mean, we just kind of, it feels like I haven't seen them play in like three weeks. It's been so long. I love all the memes out there of the heat waiting for the Celtics Raptors to finish their series. That series just kept getting extended. Uh, We have a a fan question here, though, Skylar, if you want to if you do you want to answer this one. I'm going to give it to you anyway. Okay, Giannis unfollowed all of his Bucks teammates, including the Bucks team. This was probably a general on mass unfollow after the season, but unfollowed all of them. Uh, There have been a lot of fake tweets out there saying that he demanded a trade. Don't fall for those fake (laughs) tweets, people. Check your sources. Skylar, do you think the Bucs should trade Giannis or do you think they should just keep running it back? No. Uh, Should they trade Giannis? Absolutely not. I think more of a question is, is Giannis going to leave on his own? I mean, I think people took him unfollowing all of his teammates as like some sort of sign, but he literally said last week that he was interested in staying there. He wanted to like keep building with that team. He wasn't someone who was going to run away from a challenge. He wants to keep fighting and keep facing the challenge in the same way he has. I feel like the Instagram thing got real clickbaity because he, yeah, he did unfollow all of his teammates and the team, but he, unfollowed like literally everyone he has yeah. he is now following eight people and it's like three of them are his brothers i think it's like his mom and then like his girlfriend like they're all people that are very close to him i think that this means actually nothing um should the bucks trade Giannis? no that would be so stupid yeah i think only if Giannis says i'm out and they want yeah. to get something for him so he just doesn't walk. Yeah. But it, 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 all signs point to him staying with Milwaukee. And it just sounds like 
there may be a Chris Paul away, Skyler, from winning the title. Who knows? God, how annoying would a Giannis Chris Paul team be? <laughs> I don't <laughs> even want to think about it. Yeah. Why would you hate that? Do you, are, you're not a CP3 fan? I love Giannis. I don't want CP3 to taint him in my brain. He's just too pure for what CP3 is going to bring. Yeah. We don't need that chaotic energy. That's really funny. Um, but the Heat closed out the Bucks. Uh, Giannis hurt his ankle, so wasn't really a factor there. But we have the Celtics Heat. Let's Skylar, what's your pr- go? What's your prediction of what's going to happen here? I mean, first of all, I think this is going to be one of the most fun series we get this year. Um, I it's weird because the West is so much stronger than the East, but I actually think the East series have been more fun to watch. These are both just really young, really fun teams who I don't know that. I mean, I guess the Celtics were, but I don't know that people were really expecting them both to go as far as they have. And they're just, they're really fun. They're both really high energy. And Jimmy Butler is going to lead the Heat to the finals. And that's all I'm going to say on it. Oh, you have the Heat. I'm back in my guy. I'm back in my guy. I mean, you have to. I say... I'm going to say it goes to seven just because selfishly that's what I want. And I'm going to say the heat come out of it. Yeah. I think what we're seeing here is so fun because the organizations are so strong. So we got, we covered this in our uh, casual UK fan guide to NBA teams, but the Celtics have Brad Stevens, one of the best coaches in the NBA, one of the best back offices and GMs. The heat have coach Spo. uh, They have Pat Riley. So these are both, very well run teams that are very well coached. And so just from, and this is, this is why I think the Raptor Celtics series was so good between Nick nurse and Spo. They're both making adjustments mid game and then reacting to it mid game. So if you dive in a little bit, you're looking at this chess match between the teams and it makes it so much more fun than the Rockets just, oh, let's just keep shooting threes and making zero adjustments. Yeah. And uh, it feels like, it feels like, Both teams are so well coached, but like the coaching doesn't matter as much if the players aren't bought into whatever their coach is pushing. And it seems like both of these teams have very good relationships with their coach. They're very bought into the game plan. They have a lot of respect for their coaches. You know, you, you hear Jimmy talk about like how. Uh, Miami is kind of the first place that's like, let him be him. And you'll hear stories about like Duncan Robinson going to coach Spo for like advice on uh, feeling imposter syndrome. Like it just seems like these are really just really well bonded teams. And I don't know. It just do you like, do you see that or am I making this up? No, I feel like they have really come together. And that's like the Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum quotes, not only bonding with their players, but they bought into the system, bought into the coaching direction. And that's why you see them executing. So, I mean, that's the heat just uh, had a masterclass on the bucks of this is our game plan. This is how we're going to execute it. And there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah. And I think it's because of what you're saying. They've just bought into it. Um, What's your prediction? prediction? My prediction here. I think it's going to be the Celtics. No, Brian. Not only because I want to uh, root against you as we watch these games, (laughs) which is way more fun uh, than when rooting for the same teams. But I think that the Celtics have been tested for years now. Like I said, Jason Tatum, uh, you know, Jalen Brown, they were in the Eastern Conference Finals years ago. Yep. Uh, Years, like three years, two years ago. Uh, Years. It's been, uh, you know, anything pre-pandemic is just (laughs) decades ago. But they have been tested. They have a little bit more experience together. They've brought in 
Um, you know, they've, they've brought in Kemba Walker, who's been a really good unselfish fit for this team. And I feel like with Brad Stevens, they're just primed to take that leap where I think the heat are still a little younger in their development. I think Jimmy Butler is the alpha, but they're, they're just a little young. This is kind of their first year doing this together. Hero is just a rookie and 20 years old. Uh, It would be incredible for, for the heat to kind of break through with the youth of this team and how they've really come together just this year where the, where the Celtics have gone through playoff tests year after year. So that's why I think the Celtics will have the edge if it goes to six or seven, just from experience and feeling like it's their time. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think the mental thing is big with like when you just have rookies, they just, they get into those, like those game sixes, those game sevens, and you'll start to see little mental mistakes that the, the vets don't really make as much. So yeah, that might that might come to bite the heat in the ass. Yeah, we'll talk about that with our Michael Porter Jr. segment uh, of Ricky's just fucking up all the time. <laughs> I can't wait. But let's oh god, um, but it's going to be so much fun to watch the Celtics Heat. Let's move on to the Lakers Rocket series. Which Ugh. let me set this up for you, Skylar. I'll throw this over to you. We watched Game One together. We were so excited for small ball versus so the Lakers. Excited. The Rockets squeaked by OKC did not inspire a lot of confidence that they were going to be able to go against the Lakers uh, with any strength. And instead in game one, PJ Tucker just overperforming playing lockdown defense on AD as much as you can on AD hitting shots. This team came together. They blew out the Lakers, you know, for all intents and purposes, really excited after that. This is going to be a series. This is going to go seven. The Rockets might finally break through here against LeBron and fuck that did not happen. <laughs> this was an awful series to watch. It was, it was almost awful. I almost like had to turn it off. Yeah. So, what are your takeaways here, Skylar? I god. I was so excited for this series. I thought it was going to be so fun. I was just so so disappointed. Um this happens like I swear this happens literally every single year that the Rockets look good all year. They're fun to watch all year. I guess, I mean, I, I guess not everyone thinks they're fun to watch, but I think they're fun to watch. Uh, and then they get to the playoffs and they do this every year. Like they just they fall apart in the playoffs. They just it, they get there and it's either Harden is doing everything and no one else around him is performing or Harden has a terrible game and then it's just no one can get it together. It's just so frustrating every year that this happens. And it's every year. It it honestly boggles the years. mind. It doesn't make sense. It's like I don't I truly don't know what happens to them. I guess it is like you can see that they aren't really making adjustments in game like we talk about with the Celtics, but it feels like it's more than that too. I you're right. I I don't know it, because when you're watching them, you know you can look at the stats. Like in the, in game five, Harden had 30 points, and you're like, okay, like he was 12 for 20. He played well. No one else really contributed, but they just have no heart. It's just there's the defense just crumbles. Mm-hmm. Rondo's just has these layups where there is no one within 15 feet of him, mm-hmm. and it's it's like I, you know it's shameful. That's the word that when I'm watching it, I'm like, this is shameful. How the Rockets, who should have the biggest chip on their shoulder of yeah. any playoff team, where they go up on the Warriors, they go 0 for 27 from three, they lose that series. They just they do that shit every single year. And their entire reputation and their entire legacy, especially Harden, rides on them doing well in the playoffs. 
And it just seems like they completely give up early in the series. And I, I have no idea why this is happening. It's I love James Harden. He's one of my favorite players. I love his personality off the court. I really enjoy watching him. I've just been a Harden fan for years. I think he's just mix, missing something. He's missing something that like the LeBrons and the Kawhis have like that X factor that you need. Like it's right when you said like they're missing like the heart. He's just missing that like that thing that makes superstars superstars in the playoffs. And honestly, for years, I have just refused to acknowledge what was directly in front of my face. And I think this is the year that I finally accept that. Yeah. And people are, I I really like these comparisons actually, where they say that he is the Carl Malone of our generation. Yeah. You look back at Carl Malone's stats and they're amazing. And you're like, wow, this guy's one of the best players of all time. But for, you know, the, the generation above us who actually watched him in person and often what we saw in the last dance is he just didn't have it in the playoffs. They, he just couldn't close it out. He was missing that X factor that you knew Jordan was going to win and you knew Carl Malone was going to lose. Yep. And when you have LeBron versus Harden, you just knew LeBron was going to come through and Harden was not. Yep. And I, it just it happens every single year. And you're right. Like this is the first year I've accepted it where, okay, 0 for 27 is a blip. You know, you know, Chris Paul gets hurt, but they just can't do it. And I yep. think they're going to have to blow it up a little bit because it is not working. It'll definitely be interesting to see where they go from here. Um, something that was really frustrating me in those games was it just felt like everything the Rockets were going to do was so predictable. And that's why the Lakers were able to shut them down so well. And, you know, it feels like that's a bit of a result of of the small ball strategy that it's just it's kind of one note. Your offense just kind of becomes one note. And so when the Lakers are able to shut that down, then you have to adjust and they just didn't seem to have those adjustments. And so with D'Antoni announcing today that he's leaving and D'Antoni yeah. kind of being the coach who was super bought into this small ball strategy, it'll be really interesting to see where they go from here. If they keep going with it, if they think they can you know, if they think that they are one piece away, as Harden said last night, or if they do try to kind of blow it up and try something else. I honestly, I just, sometimes I think about the fact that we got to watch Clint Capella as a rocket and how much fun this team was with Clint Capella when it wasn't full small ball and I get upset. So I don't know. I I just want to see where they go from here. And they traded Chris Paul, who was incredible in this playoff when Westbrook was awful. Yeah. So this was another listener question. James Lewis at J Extended. Thank you so much for this one. Skylar, is Westbrook the problem? <sighs> this is another one that I feel like I'm literally just having to face this year because it's just so obvious at this point. Russell might be the problem, honestly. He had such an awful series, and I think the first couple games we brushed it off as, you know, he was hurt, he's just coming back, he's just a little bit rusty, maybe he's still a little bit sore, but then he could just never get it together. He looked fucking awful all series, couldn't make any shots, was just turning the ball over nonstop. These were super messy games, and 
like I love Russell for who he like I love his personality I've always loved Russell's personality I love that he is out there talking his shit but when you're down whatever however much they were down last night 20 in the fourth quarter and you're about to be sent home and you're like still trying to just talk shit to people it's like go go sit down what do you like stop and so it's just it's the same thing with Harden it's like I just need them to just focus on the fucking games and like they're just missing that like it's it's definitely something mental with them and I just I can't figure out what it is and it's so frustrating to watch yeah it's especially after seeing that Raptors Celtics series where both teams wanted it so bad yeah and they were just battling and then you go to the Rockets Lakers game and the Rockets are spending more time yelling at Pat Bever you know yelling at uh, Rondo's brother yeah uh, then they are actually like focusing on the game so I don't think Westbrook was the problem. He was definitely a problem, but he was just more representative of of just their mental game yeah. and just they couldn't push through. He's obviously now one of the worst shooters yeah. out there in the playoffs and isn't contributing as much as he could. So you could say like for his salary, uh, he's not worth it, but for sure. he can still contribute. But it, it's it's just this whole team. I don't know what um, you know. I don't know what they can do to get over the next level. But this is all. You know, it might just be the Lakers are really fucking good because they made their adjustments and then they won four straight. Yeah. I mean, I think so it's some of both. Yeah. I, but it's like, okay, you had LeBron, you had AD, you had playoff Rondo, who may be one of the greatest players of all time. Oh, shut um, up, Brian. <laughs> are you, are you a Rondo fan here. or not? What's, what's your temperature on Rondo? I – okay, so – I used to be a big fan of Rondo when he was on the Celtics when I was like really young and then he just kind of like fell off for all those years and now I don't know why but I just get very bad vibes from him. This is literally nothing basketball related. I just for some reason have a weird feeling with him right now. Yep. Uh but LeBron at 35 still stepped up. He sealed this. I think in the last game I'm pulling up the box score now. Uh, he had 29. He took over in that last game. Yeah. AD had taken over in previous games, so AD had actually stepped up really well. Uh, Kuzma, unfortunately, has been stepping up off ball. Caruso, <laughs> Caruso with his defense, you know, even with clutch threes at the end, yeah. uh, with his defensive plays. Danny Green starting to make some three pointers again. Um, even Caldwell Pope is contributing. So. You know, this team came together uh, to take out the Rockets, and I can't believe LeBron is still doing this. What did we say? You were saying that, like, or I, me and you, we were children when LeBron <laughs> was started in the NBA, and he is still pulling his team to, think, the, to the finals, basically. I think I was seven years old when he entered the league. And he is still doing <laughs> this. It's incredible to see. Yeah. And we were fully expecting here. To give a little Lakers Clippers preview, Skylar. Yep. But we can't <laughs> because my Nuggets are so clutch. The Nuggets. And came through again. They just beat the Clippers. Uh, you know, they did shoot 50% from three, which definitely helps in the playoffs. But they have a ton of fight. This is the second time they've gone down 3-1. They've tied it at 3-3. There's go- it's going to a game seven. I predicted with Charlie Skillen that there would be a Murray game and a Jokic game and it would go six, but we've had not only a Jokic and a Murray game, but just a team game where they just beat the shit out of the Clippers in both second halves of both last games. 
And I don't, I, ha- I don't even know. I'm like, I'm still processing this. What the hell is happening here, Skylar? What is going on in this series? It's really weird. Like the past two games with the Clippers Nuggets, like just how closely they followed each other. Like the Nuggets were down 16 with, I forget how much time left in the third. And then they came back uh, in game. What is that? I can't do math. Four? Game six? Five? Oh, yeah, yeah. Game five. Yeah, it's happened. Yeah, game five. Um, And then it was literally like the exact same thing in game six that we just saw this morning where it was they were down 16 with like literally within like five seconds of the same amount of time as game five and then came back and won by like 15. It's insane. It's yeah. honestly concerning for uh the Clippers that they are able to fall apart this much in the second half. Like we... We were thinking we were going to do like a Clippers-Lakers preview. And I kind of was like, the Clippers look really good right now. And then I was watching today and I was like, the fact that they're able to fall apart this much in the second half, two games in a row, is very concerning for them. And it's yeah. it's like, it's it's both the Nuggets fighting back really, really hard and also the Clippers just falling asleep behind the wheel in the second half. And early on in the playoffs, we applauded the the Clippers for being so deep, mm-hmm. you know, where they have Marcus Moore Sr., Zubats, Beverly, Green, Harrell, Lou Williams, like Shamit. They're, they seemed so deep. And I'm going to read some stats off for you here, Skylar. In game five, Kawhi and Paul George both stepped up. Kawhi had 36. Uh, Paul George had 26. And then it just plummets. The rest of the team did almost nothing. The, the, the next highest scorer was 12. Zubats had five. Uh, no one mm-hmm. off the bench had more than six points. And then we get to this game six and almost the identical thing happens where Kawhi 25, Paul George 33, and then Marcus Morris five, Zubats <laughs> two, Pat Bev two, mm-hmm. Harold five. And they just, uh, they don't look deep at all anymore. No one's contributing off the bench where with the Lakers, we saw the the role players kind of step up to close out that series and the top two stars, you know, they're contributing as well. They're the leaders of the team, but they don't have the depth right now of people contributing. And if I see another Zubats miss layup or dunk, I'm going to lose my mind. Yeah. He's like 7'5". How can just put it in? Yeah. I mean, we talked about with uh, the Heat and the Celtics, like how much they seem to be uh, bought into the not only just like the system, but their team in general. Like they seem to all really like each other. They seem to all really respect each other. I just don't think that the Clippers have that same kind of team chemistry that we see on those other teams. Like they just don't seem to, they just don't seem to have it in the way that other teams do. But I mean, if you're going to assemble a team full of trolls, that might just be what happens, honestly. (laughs) Instead of Murray and Gary Harris and Jokic and, you know, these pretty unselfish players, we'll get to Michael Porter Porter Jr. (laughs) later. Um, But uh, it's uh, uh, let's go to the nuggets for a second. Jokic had 34, 14 and seven. He was four from six for three. He had like a bang, bang, two, three pointers in a row in the fourth to like mm-hmm. the, the, the Clippers were like, what the fuck is happening? He had these like multiple times. He is heaving balls off of a fadeaway one footed throw <laughs> and they're going in. And it's, this is a fun nugget. This is a testament to, you know, the nuggets were the three seed, you know, that people, really did not value the Nuggets coming into the playoffs, especially with them struggling so much against the Jazz. But they are still the three seed. They still earned this spot. And as a Nuggets fan, I'm really excited to see them take this next step and really go toe-to-toe with the Clippers and step up as players. Because Jokic, you know, top five MVP consideration. 
And people are like, really? Like, is he really there? He is really there and he is contributing. And I just love watching them. And I'm really disappointed you don't, Skylar. I know. I'm sorry. I don't know what it is. There's just so many it's the charisma. Act- yeah. There <laughs> we were talking about there's this. There's no today. baby I section. Was like, there I don't know that there's a single player on the Clippers that is charismatic. I was like, I guess Jamal Murray is Or the Nuggets. Yeah. The Clippers too. But even though Kawhi's charismatic in his own way. But yeah, the Nuggets, not a lot of personalities. Yeah. I mean, I guess Jamal is like the one you can say is charismatic but it's I, there's if, uh, just... sending out if leaking your own sex tape is charismatic then yes Ooh. he's very charismatic forgot about that one it's tough <laughs> that is tough but it is it's really impressive that this is the second series in a row that the nuggets went down 3-1 and ended up fighting back for it to go to game seven so I, i'm impressed I can't wait for color me impressed Thank you. So at least, see, we'll take your respect. Yeah. You don't have to be overjoyed watching them. Yeah. But I also, my main complaint with the Nuggets is that I don't like that they never play defense. And I was very impressed with Gary Harris's defense today. So there you go. Yeah, and he was getting some shots. You're, I'm giving so. respect where it's due. Uh, all right. Let's go to the namesake of this episode, our Sunday roasts. Let's do it. We're gonna, I'm going to set you up for your first one. Okay. Okay. Uh, I'll do MPJ next. Great. But what is your first roast of the week, Skylar? I I mean, I feel like we have to start with Daniel House Jr. It was the biggest story of the week. It almost feels like we've all just kind of moved on at this point because uh, time has no meaning in a pandemic. But um, Daniel House Jr., I mean, I mean, okay. I just don't even know where to begin with this. Can you just give us a recap of the timeline? Okay. I'll give you uh, the timeline. All right. I'll give you a recap. Daniel House Jr., it came out that he was suspected to have snuck a COVID, like a woman who was working as a COVID tester in the bubble into his room. And then it, it got like a little bit muddled. It came out that like Tyson Chandler was trying to take the fall for him. It came out that maybe Daniel House Jr. like snuck her in, but he was like helping out one of his uh, bigger name teammates and they were going to do a little switcheroo. <laughs> it was definitely Harden. We knew that. Um, but then they like investigated over a couple days and they just realized, no, it, it just truly was Daniel house jr. Sneaking a girl into his room. She stayed there for a couple hours and then he snuck her out. Uh, so y- use your imagination for uh, what happened in his room. Um, it's just like, I get it. Like these players are not used to like being in this like insanely shut down environment. I honestly was going to be very interested in how Harden reacted to being in an environment where he couldn't go to strip clubs after games or like do all the things that Harden is so famous for doing. However, and honestly, when, when I found out it was like a testing agent, I was like, so is that like breaking quarantine? Like if she's in the bubble and he's in the bubble, like, is this so bad? But then it came out like she wasn't even a testing agent. Like, no, nope, and then just unauthorized. Also, uh, maybe just don't cheat on your wife is all I have to say. That's the big one yeah. here. I didn't really realize before this started happening that he was married with three small children, but, uh, yeah, he is. So that's not great. Um, Yeah. He has a wife and she, three kids like under five at home. And she like just 
it's just got to be so embarrassing for her to like have this playing out in the news and like that's probably how she found out it's just like don't embarrass your fucking wife like this come on yeah and she she i think she ig'd out unless this was fake so fact check me people but she uh ig storied out like you reap what you sow yeah and she deleted all the pictures of them yeah so that is the first roast good roast skylar daniel house jr uh you're roasted yeah and that don't embarrass your wife and it just plays into everything that was happening with the rockets yeah just no focus yeah dnp cheating on your wife not great (laughs) Uh, okay let's go to mine uh michael porter jr uh he has been on this a few times now because he said that covid was a conspiracy uh, he basically seems like a, a little bit of a misguided young man when it comes to some of these things, um, and very young, uh, where he's where he's buying into conspiracy theories and things like this. Um, so we've roasted him before for that stuff. Uh, this one where <laughs> he went to a press conference after the game, and this seems ridiculous now that they fought back so well and the yeah. game plan has worked. And he played but, so well. And he played well. But he basically, at the press conference said, I need to get the ball more. I had a great first half and I need to get more touches. What is this team doing? Just throwing his team under the bus, throwing his coach under the bus right after a game. And all of those things could be true, which they're not, but you do not do this to your team in the middle of a playoff series. Mm -hmm. Can you imagine the Celtics doing this, the Raptors doing this and the heat, any of these like actually professional teams uh, where you see them buying in together this was a really bad omen for me. It's a testament to the Nuggets organization that they got past this and it kind of died as a story. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you didn't really hear much of it. And then they rebounded from it. And you're seeing Jamal Murray and Jokic stepping up and playing so well and then using Michael Porter Jr. more. But come on, man. Like You can't go to a press conference and throw your team under the bus and demand more touches as a fucking rookie. Yeah. Like There is a development here. And... You know, I think uh, Damian Lillard tweeted out about this, just shaking my head. Um, Like, come, like you do not do this as a young player. I think Michael Porter Jr.'s dad is in the bubble now. Yeah, he is. If I saw that correctly, so I think having some more mentorship there will help, and maybe that was one of the reasons that you know that we haven't heard much from this since then. But MPJ, you're so talented. You're going to be such a big part of this Nuggets organization moving forward, and I just need you to get it fucking together. Because you can't keep doing, you can't keep making our Sunday roast list every single week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, this is like kind of what you want out of your rookie. Like you, you want them to be hungry. You want them to be. You want them to want more touches. You want them to like want to win so bad that they're like trying to, you know, help the game plan or whatever. But you just can't do it in a public forum like this, especially, especially, especially as a rookie. And I just like for these young players, literally my only recommendation is get a PR team as soon as you sign your first contract. Yes. Why does he not have a PR team that is like advising him Coaching not him. to do this? Cause he just, he keeps doing this stupid shit. And it's, I like you mentioned his dad. Cause I was thinking about his dad too. Like his dad is in, I don't think did he did he play in the NBA? I th- he was a high level player. I think he coached as well in college. Yeah. Um, but I don't know if he played in the NBA or not. But like 
kids who have parents who are kind of like in the business have been around it, they usually have a leg up because they know to do things like that. They know to like get a PR team immediately and not make statements like this in public. And they usually have that kind of upper hand on just like, it's not maturity, but just kind of knowing the ropes a little bit better. And so it keeps, I don't know why, but it keeps surprising me every time he does this dumb shit. And I just want him to get a goddamn PR team. Yeah, especially he's not LeBron as a rookie. No, He fucks up all the time on the court. He's constantly turning it over. He's making bad decisions. He can't hold on to the ball. Even he today, doesn't he's play defense. Yeah, he doesn't play defense. So, you know, you're not you're not LeBron James as a rookie being like, all right, I need the ball or Doncic. Yeah. Um, just know your role. You're going to get there, but be patient. Yeah. All right. Uh, what's your next one, Skylar? <sighs> Let's talk about John Wall. Let's do it because we highlighted him a lot in our preview. Yeah. For the casual UK fan guide. And we love John Wall. John Wall, I mean, I guess we Do we? I we have up until this point, right? Yeah. I mean, okay. Not so the, Lowry love. We like no, John Wall. We like John Wall. We I think we were rooting for John Wall after all of those injuries. Agreed. Uh on Twitter, was it on Twitter? on a social media, whatever, uh, posted last night was a video of him throwing uh, gang signs, specifically the the blood gang. Are we going to get people sent after us for this, Brian? I'm afraid. I, I really hope not. <laughs> um, and then he like pulled out like a, a red bandana, which is like, a, it's like a signifier for the blood gang. And I mean, he apologized for it on Twitter today, but it's just like, John Wall, you're in the NBA. You're making millions upon millions upon millions of dollars. Like, you just don't need to be doing this. And it's just so dumb that it's just, it's it's like exactly like Michael Porter Jr. It's just like, you don't need to do this. And it's so dumb. So maybe just don't do this. And have people around you that don't post that video yeah. when you do stuff like that. It, it's like a Jack Harlow, is that his name? Jack Harlow? Uh, Lou Will thing. Like, don't. Be around people who are going to post this shit. You got to keep your circle small. Yeah, and it's it's just it's tough to see too because there were so many uh, tweets, people going back to get his game film where he's throwing up the Bloods gang signs during games. Ooh, I miss. And I'm that. sure Adam, yeah, I'm sure Adam Silver was just sitting there seething, like, oh, like we're making so much progress as a league. Yeah. Um, and he did issue the statement today which was good. Very fast reaction time. Maybe it'll blow over, but come on, John Wall. Yeah. Uh, we ready for the last one? Also, just one more thing. Uh, there's okay. still a pandemic. They were, they were like at a party. I know. It's like a party. Uh, there's still a pandemic, my guy. All right. I'm done. So annoying. Um, last one. We hype Nick Nurse up a lot. We want to be a balanced podcast. Yeah. Right? Of course. Kind of. Maybe we don't. Um, not with Lowry. <laughs> uh, Nick Nurse. Or Jimmy Butler. Or Jimmy Butler. <laughs> uh, game six, Nick Nurse, who, great coach. Great coach. As we've discussed, great coaching matchup. He was basically in the corner three spot yep. in a critical, crucial moment. Jason Tatum said after the game he didn't think you know, it was his fault that he turned it over in this moment. But it did appear that Jason Tatum tried to pass to Nick Nurse for the corner three, yep. which maybe Nick, Nick Nurse might have hit it. Um, but <laughs> I'd like to see it. <laughs> I'd like to see Nick Nurse hit the corner three for the opposing team. But he w- it was, his toe was on the court. It was very close, but he was. And then you could see him like skitter away. Mm-hmm. And now 
I understand coaches in a normal setting, they are much closer to the court than they are in the bubble. There's a much larger gap in the bubble. Um, they're used to kind of being right in the play of things, getting the look of things. But Nick Nurse, like you're a great coach. You've been coaching for a long time. Don't stand on the court right next to the play in a crucial moment. This I, I can't believe like they buried this right away. I don't think there were any fines. I don't think there was any talk about this afterward. It was buried in the two-minute report, but he was on the court, and he's yeah. got to do better in those moments. Yeah. I mean, meanwhile, like, they buried it, but meanwhile on Twitter, like, people were pissed, like, wanted him suspended, wanted him fined. Yeah, they – I mean, you, you just can't do this. I also – maybe this is not us being fair and balanced, but I was thinking about it a little bit. Uh in a normal game setting, there would be a ton of fans behind him. And so him being there wouldn't really make that much of a difference. Like, it's not like yeah. seeing him out of the corner, Jason Tatum seeing him out of the corner of his eye, he would think that that's a player. And so maybe this is just like a bubble adjustment that he hadn't really thought about. Like, there's no fans. So you have to like be more cognizant of where you're standing. I mean, still nonetheless, like he had a toe on the line. You can't be doing that. Yep. All right, Nick Nurse. There's there's your fair and balanced report. <laughs> Get off the court. Get off the court. Uh, we've talked through a lot of beef so far, Skylar, as a part of the takeaways. Um, you know, Russell Westbrook versus William Rondo. Um, any others you want to highlight here? I do want to talk about the Russ and the William Rondo one for just All right, a let's second. Because we one. didn't really go into it. We just shit on Russell for other things. <laughs> um, yeah, let's go into it. It's okay. So little rundown of what happened. Uh, it was fairly early in the game. I want to say like maybe second quarter, third quarter, maybe. Uh, mm -hmm. William Rondo, who is Rajon Rondo's brother, uh, apparently gave Russell Westbrook like a goodbye wave like they were done. And Russell like lost his damn mind, started screaming back at him. They were like beefing back and forth. Uh, the NBA actually asked William Rondo to leave, which first fan ejection of the bubble. That is incredible that's an incredible title to have um <laughs> i love russell i love that he's fiery but this was just so fucking annoying when they were down by so much that he was like taking this so personal like yeah he's waving by to you yeah you guys are about to get kicked out so maybe just take it but also i just want to point this out because i don't know that very many people know this uh william rondo is he's like I forget what his like official position is, but he works with a lot of players in the league. He's he does like agent stuff for them. And I read a whole article about how William Rondo is like basically in charge of the barbershop in the NBA. Yes, like, I saw he, this too. So he I read a whole article that he was the one that like literally handpicked each of the barbers that went to the NBA bubble and he would like get calls like daily from like they didn't name anyone but we can assume it was LeBron being like oh is my guy still on the list like I need my guy in the bubble and so I just was really tickled this morning thinking about the NBA like barbershop this morning with William Rondo in there just yes. talking his shit to all of the guys who were coming in that day and all of them just getting so into it. So going to miss you, Russ, but this was very funny. And yes, it was. Yeah. Love that. He was the the head bar or the, the kind of the mastermind of the barbershop and a big part of the barbershop. Yeah. 
and would love to see that. Would love to. I would love to be a fly on the wall in that barbershop tomorrow. Yeah, me too. Um, all right, let's go to bubble wubble life. Just quickly, Skylar, I just want to note, you said Deuce is coming into the bubble. There's a lot of babies in the bubble. It's very cute. Mm-hmm. And today I learned there is a bubble school for all the kids. Really? Yes. That is they have so a little cute. like little preschool, little elementary school set up. I it's adorable. <laughs> so I just want to do a quick note after the roast and beefs, which can be a little crit- you know, they're criticizing people. That's fine. But just know behind all of it, there's a little NBA bubble school for all the kiddos in there, which is adorable. And I'm just so excited that we're about to get a bunch of Deuce content in the bubble. PJ yes. Deuce on his way. Baby little Deuce. Okay, let's go on to our fit segment, Skylar. Take us away. All right. I've got three candidates for you this week, Brian, for fit of the week. And then I've got a lot of special shout outs this week. It was just a great week in uh, NBA fits. So let's start with the candidates for fit of the week. Uh, Let's start with Trez uh, because he won the high T hoops podcast fit of the week last week. Yeah. He's always on here. He's always on. And I think he heard us and now is pandering directly to you (laughs) and me, Brian, because he showed up for one of the games this week in a Subard Seattle Storm jersey with a bright yellow SpongeBob sweatpants. He looks incredible. He's repping Subard. How much do you love this fit? I love it. Sue Bird loves it, which makes me love it even more. I'm watching the uh, NBA League style video right now. He looks amazing. Yeah. The SpongeBob, the yellow, the shoes, the sneakers, it all comes together. Uh, yeah, I give this one a very high mark. I want to see the others first before I make a final decision, but I I can't imagine what would beat this. Yeah. Okay, so let's give you the next one. Uh, right. I tend to hate on Kuz a lot, but I do love his fashion. Uh, he showed up to one of the games this week in a lavender set, uh, which first of all, I just saw a bunch of lavender on NBA players this week. I don't know what's really happening there. I guess it's on trend but love that for them uh it's i can't always id like the brands behind the outfits but this was a set by uh vga studios um it's like a kick flare pant with there's if you zoom in there's like little monsters embroidered on them um paired that with a detroit tigers hat which i being from michigan love that uh kuzma is also from michigan and Kuzma signed with Puma, and he's really upped Puma's game. He showed up in some fire Pumas to go with this set. Uh, Brian, what do you think of this outfit? This falls into the category of I can appreciate what you're saying, but I don't understand the outfit. Yep. And so it's fine for me. Okay. I think we this gotta is- bring the we, we got to bring the queen of hoops on. We need to bring her fashion yeah. eye to this because she can really give a critical look here. Yeah, because I pitch you my favorite three every week, and there's always one that you just don't understand, and it's always my favorite outfit. Like, why are his pants so far away from his sneakers? It's that's I, it's a crop kick flare pant. Yeah, see, that's, that's the type of critical analysis that I cannot give you. Yeah. Maybe the Queen of Hoops will come on. We'll get her on eventually to actually pick a, a legit winner here. Yeah. Anyways, I love this fit from Coos. This is honestly probably my fit of the week. Um, And then, you know, I've shit on Russ quite a lot this episode, which is 
not typical for me. Um, but, you know, in past weeks, I've kind of used the fit section to uh, say goodbye to team or players who are now exiting the bubble when they had fantastic bubble outfits. And so I just want to get Russ in there one last time. This is a pretty basic outfit. He's got some very well-fitted jeans on uh, with a tank top that says the sky is falling. There's like a UFO on it and like some sort of animal. Great sneakers, great hat, great sunglasses. The thing about Russ is that even when he shows up in like kind of a more basic outfit, you can tell he just like really gets... He really gets fashion. He really gets what looks good on him. So even when he shows up in this outfit that is literally jeans and a tank top, he still looks fantastic. I might surprise you here, Skylar, but this is my winner. I, for some reason, knew you were going to like this one. First of all, I understand this outfit. Love this outfit. So it's right in my target market. And this wins because of the fucking irony yeah. The sky is falling as they just epically collapse against the Lakers. The sky literally and it's is just, falling on them. It's just too funny not to pick. Yeah. Like they completely collapse and he's wearing a sky is falling shirt. I have to pick this one. Sorry, Trez. I know that the Sue Bird, e- even though Trez did not look as good in this Sue Bird outfit as uh, Westbrook looks in this uh, in this tank top jean combo. Yep. But the irony is too good. That's you know that's why I picked uh, the what was it? What, what did uh, Trez wear last week to win? The Lou Will shirt. The, the, lemon, the pepper lemon pepper Lou, Lou Will shirt. Yeah, I think I go for the commentary over the uh, the flare boot cut, whatever you called it. Yeah. Um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna pick this guy as following Russell Westbrook this week. That is totally fair. I think Kuzma gets my fit of the week this week. This lavender set is incredible. The Pumas are fire, and I love a Detroit hat. Uh, and you had some shout outs this week? Yeah. Okay. So some outfits, like you just said, the commentary is important, but they're not necessarily going to make it into the fit of the week category. So I've got three shout outs this week just for the commentary. First, we've got Marcus Smart walking around his hotel in a Versace robe and some Versace slippers. Incredible. I just, it's so funny to me to think of like, these hotel employees just seeing literally every single NBA player just walking around the hotel and like ridiculous ass shit like this because they're the only ones there. Yeah. I love thinking <laughs> about Marcus Smart walking around the hotel in nothing but this Versace robe. It's so funny. Going down me. and and getting tested in his Versace slippers and robe yeah. and going back up. Yeah. That, yeah. This one's amazing. Um, Next up, another one where... Uh, just a fit god who we unfortunately have to say goodbye to because the sky fell on his team. PJ Tucker, we're going to miss you so much. Uh, a lot of people were hyping him up this week because he was carrying that Dior bag in and he had a full box of uh, Cinnamon Toast Crunch in it sticking out. Uh, PJ Tucker is one of my most favorite players to pay attention to their fits. He really puts a lot of thought into them. The picture I pulled for you to look at, Brian, he's wearing these incredible Fendi shorts that I'm obsessed with. I love those. Yeah. I want them. PJ Tucker. Are they like $7,000? Yeah, probably. Jesus. Uh, PJ Tucker is the one who took like 60 pairs of shoes or something like that to the bubble with him. He literally has bags specially made for them. And he was kind of the first one who started like coordinating his, 
you see a lot of players in the bubble walking in with their shoes holding them, uh, which we don't know. We, we don't really see in the like normal NBA. And so he would start coordinating like the shoes he was carrying with his shoes that he's wearing with his outfit. It's just all super coordinated and well thought out. And I just really appreciate how much thought he puts into it. And I'm going to miss seeing his walk-in fits. Your watch is over, PJ. Thank you. Thank you, PJ Tucker. And last but not least, uh, just shout out Braun walking in the Kaepernick jersey. Uh, I love when players use their outfits, their walk-in fits to uh, provide like social commentary. And we've seen a lot of them doing that in this bubble. So just really cool to see uh, Braun supporting Kaepernick like that. Great fit section this week, Skylar. Thank They're really you. bringing the heat in the bubble. I know. I was a little bit concerned because I was looking through pictures today looking for fits, and I hope the Clippers win just so that we don't have to keep looking at Nuggets walking fits because, God, they're awful. <laughs> oh, we need to get more charisma. We need to get a PR coach yeah. for our Nuggets. All right, that is our show. We have a really exciting uh, guest coming on this week, Skylar Hugh yeah. Hopkins, who Coach Hugh analyst at Coach Hugh at Coach Hugh analyst at Sky Sports, also lead writer at Double Clutch UK. We love them, um, and you know Coach Hugh covers WNBA, NBA. So we're going to do a little crossover episode because the WNBA playoffs are kicking off, yep. and we'll be pretty far. We'll, we'll get to see if the Nuggets win. And we're going to have a, a a very low rated series between the Lakers and the Nuggets, or if we're going to get that LA matchup that the that the NBA wants so desperately. <laughs> but uh, a very exciting week ahead. Yep, we'll see you here Thursday. All right, thanks, Skylar. Yep, see you on Thursday.